You know, I've been uh, on this campus for 50 years. That's three times longer than most of you have lived, right? And I'm not saying that just to say I'm old, but I am, all right? But I have a burden about this this meeting, and this is these are important ones to me. We started them a few years ago. We we started them thinking about Daniel. Now that that book comes an important verse for me, I know it's a little bit out of context. It has to do with a particular circumstance, but it does describe a reality. And it says this, and it's been kind of core to the whole thing. But those that know their God, those that know their God will grow strong and work, act. They're going to take, they're going to move in a situation which is very difficult, and that's what Daniel is speaking about. A day when there, everything is going to oppose the things of God. He says, in that day, there are going to be people who actually know God and they're going to stand up. They're going to, they're going to rise up and they are going to oppose the very thing which is going to try to press them and destroy them is going to cause that group of people to come to the front, to become stronger. The pressure will become stronger. Now, why is that all? Uh, what? What? Why mention my antiquity? All right. Well, because my part of the race is coming rapidly to the end. I won't be here for another fifty years. I hope. No, I won't be here for another fifty years. The world is changing. There's difficulties out there. Things to be faced. What hope? Do we have in this situation? Well, the, the one thing which we all can do, which will change the situation, is know God. If we know our God. See, we could have sessions here and tell you, do this, do this. Here's all these principles live by. But here's the big thing. You've got to know your God. If you know your God, you'll figure out the rest. And so that's what we're talking about in these, these things. We're coming today to prayer. Prayer. Heart's desire for God. What does that mean? Well, again, as we have heard already, that is not exactly a definition, but it is a direction. It is a description of how prayer occurs. Why does prayer occur? Because people know their God. That's why if you try to teach people how to pray and they don't know their God, they probably won't keep it up, right? But if they know their God, this it comes out. It will it will develop because of that relationship with God. So we're thinking again about different aspects of prayer, but we're thinking about it with respect to how can I get to know my God. So let's commit our time to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before you and we're asking you to train us and teach us. We thank you for your desire for every person in this room. Thank you for the great potential because of who you are. Because of the salvation you've made in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we come and ask you to move by your spirit. Speak to our hearts. Stir those hearts. Father, fulfill your word. Work in us today here. Both to will and then to carry out your good pleasure. And we trust you for it. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. How many want to know the will of God for them? That's a common question or a common pro- question at this particular time in your life. What does God want me to do? Where does he want me to be? What does he want me to go to? Where is he? What's the direction? Well, that's what we're going to be thinking about this morning. What is the will of God for us? 
And how's that working out? Now, I want to take you back to a passage which are to a place which has already been mentioned this morning. If you go back to the book of Genesis, you go to the very beginning, it describes how kind of society gets going. And it starts off by describing two families. One family is described, and it goes down for a certain period. I'm not going to take a long time there, but it goes through history to a certain point, And it tells us about a man. And that man's name is Lamech, and we're not going to go in a long time into it. But here's what we find out about Lamech. Number one, he's arrogant. Go read the little statement. He's got two wives. He gets them together one day and says, listen, you ladies, straighten up. How about that? We also know he's abusive. Right? So he's, he's arrogant and he's abusive. Straighten up. And then he's going to tell them what he did. He says, because you don't want to cross me. Because a boy did it one day and he's dead. And a man did it and he's also dead. So we know he's also violent. What an interesting society. Now, God puts that in there to picture not just what this man was. This, this is a tough character here. But he's, he's telling us this, that the whole society has gone that way. He was a reflection of where society had gotten to in that day. Then the Bible backs up. It goes a little bit further, but then it goes back to the beginning and it takes another family. And it moves through to the same period when this man lived, when, when Lamech was alive. And it says this about this, and he comes to another character and he names, and he says this, Enoch walked with God. Lamech lived like this, Enoch walked with God. But it's important to note that Enoch walked with God at the same time that society was producing men like Lamech. So it's not an easy place to do it. But it says he walked with God. This is, this is where I really hate the fact of, of kind of preaching instead of talking. Because what does that mean to you? I'd, I'd really like to have the questions answered because I'd like to get, get you going on this thing. But we don't, there's so many of us. We won't make it, we won't have time for that. What does it mean to walk with God? What is that? What are we talking about here? What's what's the thought? Well, first of all, when in uh, Enoch's time, it's a good description of living because you walked everywhere you went. All right, there were there's no buses, there's no planes, there's no trains, there's no cars, there are no uh, there are some wagons, but at that particular time, most people use wagons to carry things. They walked beside the wagon. They might get in the wagon, but they were mostly carts. A few people were wealthy enough to ride on a horse, but that was very few people. Most people, if they had a, a horse or a mule, they loaded stuff on top of them and they walked them someplace. So the, you walked. So walk was a description of what you did. Everywhere you went, you were walking. It's just a description of normal, everyday living. So it says this, that Enoch walked with God. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean that he was walking with God? Well... It, it means more than he was just close to God. Why would I say that? Okay, this afternoon and this evening in downtown Greenville, they're having a festival. All right, and in this festival, the local the local um, restaurants put up pavilions and show people what they what they make. So they bring their their signature dis, dishes out there, and you buy tickets, and then you go around and. You, you know, you eat food until your tickets run out, which is pretty fast. So don't, don't, you know, just buy a lot of tickets if you intend to eat very much. But anyway, it's, you go down there and, you, and it's just one after another after another. That place is going to be packed tonight. 
the last time I went down there, because it was packed, I mean, it was packed. I mean, there were, there, there were thousands of people on that street. And because, of, because there, there are so many people on the street, you know how it goes. Um, we're, we're very dutiful. We, we go in counterclockwise, you know, like races go. And so it, it kind of moseys down this side of the street, and then it moseys back up. Now, people are cutting across, and some people are going the wrong direction. But just try to go the wrong direction for very long. I mean, if you're going to go this, that way, you better get on the, the, the right side there. And so this whole mob is just kind of, it's, it goes about like that. You know, it's not real fast. It's just kind of wandering down through there. Now, all those people are walking together. Right? They're all walking together, kind of. All right? But they're not all together. They're not all walking with each other. All right? Now, think about it for a moment. How could we tell who is walking with someone and who's just walking beside someone? Uh, again, this would be easy interaction, but we, we won't take time to interact on that. How could you do it? Well, one thing, of course, is that the pavilions are there, and you could assume that a group, if they are together, when they get to something and one pulls over, they might all pull over, all right? That's one way you could tell. Where do they stop? And then they kind of move as a group. What's some other ways? Well, you could tell because some of them are talking to each other, friendly talking to each other. There is a little bit of the other kind of talking that goes on, you know. You know, what are you doing there? But there's friendly talking going on. And you can assume that if the friendly talking goes on and they keep walking there, they might be walking together. All right? You can tell whether they're walking together by how they respond to their personal space. Right? Their personal space. You know, when you've got personal space and you're walking with somebody you really know, you're a little more casual about your personal space than you are with people you don't know, right? After all, if somebody comes up to you you don't know and puts their hand on your shoulder, you probably are going to take exception to that, right? That's what I'm talking about, the personal space. This is me. You you know, there we go. Uh, it, it It could get violent there because, but on the other hand, if you've got a group of people that all know each other, that same action could go completely unchecked because they're just, they know each other. That's what I'm talking about, the personal space. But the point is this, if you were out there, you would know who was walking together and who wasn't. Now take that back there and think about what that means. It says that as Enoch lived, Enoch walked with God. He walked with him. Now, what does that mean to you? That, again, this is the reason we do this, because that is the potential for your life. And I'll just say, if, if only one person got hold of this and goes and does that for the rest of your life, this is worthwhile time. But everybody can do it. We heard that last period. Because of what God did in the Lord Jesus Christ, He made it possible for every human being who wanted to, to get close to God. Right? People sometimes ask you, you know, is, well, this sin, sin, I don't know if everybody's ever asked you that. Do you think that this action would send me to hell? You know, this sin, they come up with all kinds of different things. It might be immorality. It might be lying, cheating. And in one sense, there are different ways you can answer that. But in one sense, the answer is no, that won't take you to hell. 
that won't that won't bring you to the end of I mean, that's, that's not going to bring you to judgment. Here's what's going to bring you to judgment. And finally, at the end, this is the key. And we all have to face this. What brings people to judgment is that at very great cost to himself, God made it possible for every human being to know him. And most human beings are going to say, no, thank you. They might say that arrogantly. They might say it politely, but they're going to say, no, I don't really care about that. You see, God's extended to you. He's extended to me. He's extended each one of us the opportunity to actually know him. And we're going to do something about that. We're either going to walk with him or we're not going to walk with him. Now, again, let me also say there are some other ways you can walk with him in a sense and not walk with him the way he intended. Um, Again, this is confess your sin time. Um, I was kind of arrogant when I was in high school, and, and I didn't particularly like to be with my family. How about that? I liked in, inside the house. We had a good time together. But we would go on vacation or something, and we're walking down into something, and, oh, man, my embarrassing family out there. I just can't believe. <laughs> don't say it. Don't you know, you're embarrassing me. And so we would be walking together, and they're over there, and I'm kind of walking. I'm with them. I'm with them. Way away from with them. You know, I'm just I'm just moving over here because, you know what? I don't want to be identified with that over there, although I can't get too far out of line because we're on vacation, and pretty soon they're going to get in the car, and I need to be in that car. So I've got to keep, I've got to keep in hand touch so that, you know, distance so that we get on there. But I'm kind of walking with them, and I'm kind of not walking with them. Now, when it talks about Enoch walking with God, it's not like that either. A lot of people that say they're, I know God, but every time things of God come up, <laughs> yeah, I know God. And when the bus gets where I want to be with him when he go on there. But what we're talking about here is a person who in the middle of all the corruption of that day and all the pressures that were on him decided that he was going to spend his life close with God. I want to look at another passage uh, on prayer because prayer has uh, kind of two dimensions to it. Two, again, there's so many different ways to describe prayer. So this is, this is just one way to look at it. And, and this morning in the first period, we were talking about one of those two ways. You can think about prayer as a time when I set aside to get alone with God. That's what Mr. Brazier was talking about. It's like the quiet time situation where I, I set myself, like the Lord did, all right? He used that illustration says in the morning the Lord went apart and got with his father and spent time with his father. Just like you can in the development of any kind of relationship. There's uh, My wife and I have a relationship. There are times when we spend together. It's just the two of us. Where you don't want anybody else there. You want to talk. You want to get to know each other. We've, we've, we've gotten there. Okay. But then there's another dimension of prayer. So that, that has to do with the, the set aside times. But if you're going to walk with God, you're going to have to note the other side of, of prayer, and that is praying on ongoing basis all day long. We're talking about the will of God. So here's Thessalonians, First Thessalonians chapter 5. Now, I'm going to read a good bit of uh, around the passage section just so you get idea what's going on. Paul has spoken about certain things. He's making applications of how people need to live at the end. All right, This begins in chapter 5, verse 12. Here's what it says. But we request of you, 
brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. Now, he's talking about getting along in the church there. I don't know what church you go to. A lot of people have trouble with church. Pastors aren't always the most loved people. Why did he do that? Why did the elders do this? Why do they have that rule? Why do we? Why don't we? Do, why don't we do it this way and say? Why don't we have green chairs instead of blue chairs? Why don't we have? You know? Why don't we change the lights? Why don't we? But he's just talking about putting up with a situation, being under, going along with what's going on there in the church. And it says, live at peace with one another. That's inside the church. Verse 14 says, we urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everybody. Now, in that particular verse, and again, we're not going to expound too far, but we just a note that he's talking about what you do with the people who are awkward in the church. All right. Everybody loves, you know, the, the ones that are obvious leaders and obviously going forward. But how many people are awkward? All right. You know, the, the faint hearted. That just has to do with the people who are always negative about everything and ready to quit every time. And, and in order to keep them going, you got to and you got them pumped all up and then you know what stopped you did you get back up here now you've never known anybody like that but it happens it happens when you see one you'll you know just remember it it's out there what's he say he says to encourage you got to take time you that's what the pumping is but he says to do it and he says help those that are weak and that that that, again, seems to have to do with people who, who just really aren't all that capable. They're just not that capable. He says, help them. Help them. And he's talking about the unruly. Those are the ones that just can't, they can't really stay in line. You know, that's just, just kind of the kind of the ADD sort of person. You know, they just don't, they don't quite, they don't sit when they're supposed to sit. And they don't, you tell them A and they go B and it's just, they just don't. They don't have the capacity to stay in line. But he says that you are to admonish them and work with them. And he says, be patient with everybody. Be patient with everybody. Big demands, all right? This is, he's just set himself up for what um, is coming up in the part we're going to look at. Verse 15. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after the after that which is good for uh, for one another and for all people. Boy, is that a verse for today. This is a world that's offended. All right? They're offended that I'm even alive. I mean, everybody's offended, right? You walk in there, oh, that's, that's terrible, that's terrible. Everything is terrible. It's terrible. Um, you have to watch out for everything you do. And he says, no one, see that no one repays evil with you. We have to get above that. I'm not... You go a long time in that. We have to get above that. We can't spend our lives offended. Not if we're going to do the will of God. All right? There's something to be taken to people. Now, let's go on down there. That brings us to our um, our verses. Now, the will of God. This is the will of God for you. 
And this has to do with prayer, and I want to get down to that. It's in the middle there. The will of God for you. Here's a description of it. Rejoice always. Right? Now, when he says rejoice always, Paul always says it this way. Rejoice in the Lord. He's, he's, it's, it's what he's aiming at. He's summing it up here. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Now, what, what does that all mean? What does that look like? What do you think that actually looks like? We, we talk about that, and what is that? how does that work out in your experience if you're going to know God? Well, first point, I'm going to go back to the, to the end. It's the easy one, all right? In everything, give thanks. In everything. Give thanks. Why would you do that? Now think about that for just a moment. Why would you do that? Now, in everything, give thanks. That would mean that when the person just did the thing which was offensive to you, actually did something offensive, you're to give thanks. How about that? Because it says what? When are you to give thanks? In everything. Everything. Uh, one of the features you, you find out in the Word of God, just to take a study of the, the epistles of Paul sometime, take a highlighter and highlight every time he says thanksgiving. If you're not thankful today, you're not walking with God today. It's just that simple. <laughs> you, you, there are so many things you're disobedient about if you're not thankful. But how can you be thankful? All right? How can I be thankful how can I be thankful when somebody just mashed into my car? How can I be thankful when somebody has just cheated me? Is Paul kidding here? Is he, is he being honest about the way a person can actually live? Well, yes, he is being honest because you have the potential to walk with God. All right? If we put this in the context of just living, then you're just going to, if you're going to carry it out and just be thankful, you're going to have to be some sort of a Pollyanna that just doesn't, I didn't see any problem there. All right. Everything's good, but everything, everything isn't good except for this. The God that we work, walk with has made a promise that it will all work together for good. That when I came to that place, when you came to that place where you said, I'm going to trust the Lord Jesus Christ with my life. I came to him for forgiveness and I entrusted into his hands my life. From that point forward, your life was protected. It is continuously protected. You know, I'll be a good shepherd. You have a good shepherd. If, if you've come and committed yourself to him, this is why it's such a wonderful thing for people to actually know their God. That's why they grow strong, because once you put yourself in God's hands, you are in His hands. All right? We sometimes think if we put Him in hands, oh, will he, will he care about me? Will He not care about me? Listen, you've been cared for from the time you were even conceived and before. God knows all about you. And He not only knows all about you, but He's concerned about you. Concerned about every dimension of your life. You put yourself in God's hands and it starts to go God's way. It's a wonderful thing. And, and after 50 years, 
of walking with the Lord, I can testify to that. I'm almost 50 years of walking. I know I'm not quite that, but anyway, close. That the God who is watching out, things might go rough on a particular day, but it always comes around. He is always taking care. In the end, it always brings out something good. All right? Because it's all working together for good. Therefore, Paul says, if you want to walk with that God, if you want to actually have fellowship with this God, you want to know him moment by moment, when should you give thanks? Always. That would be like right now. All right? Because this, this is a wonderful picture. You have the chance not just to know God in your quiet time and then live out life and then come back and see him again in the morning. You have the quiet time to spend time just like, again, I'll say my wife and I spend time together. But after you finish this, you still have, well, I don't have any more, but I used to have kids. I, mean, I still have kids, but they don't stay at home. You know, it's, they're not here. You know, it's, it's uh, now they're grandkids. And you can still have a job. There's still a house to be cleaned. There's still food to be, you know, put on the table. There's all these things to do. So you can't sit together and just stare at each other for the rest of your lives. But you have to have this time so that this time will be what it ought to be. And Paul says that this, you, you take this time, but then you walk away. And when you're walking away from that and you're walking out into the events of life, whatever they happen to be, school, uh, your family life, your job, whatever you're doing, he says this, as things happen, look at life and give thanks for the fact that you have a God walking with you. That's tremendous. That starts to lift you up, right? Should lift you up. And if you do that, one of the things that it's one of the interesting features of it, I want to just say, this isn't our point, but we've got to get over it, is this. That the person who gives thanks will see the glory of God. And the one who doesn't will miss it. Right? That's one of the great lessons that... I used to, I used to teach Old Testament survey, and I made people go through this, but... Uh, there's a time when Israel was told they couldn't go into the land, and I'm just I'm going to say they had had two years to get to know God, and God had taken them through the Red Sea. How about that? Can you imagine it? Have you ever thought about what that would mean? Think about it, uh, an ocean, even if it was, it was fairly short, from here across to the other side of this campus, and it's deep. You can't walk through it. You've got your kids with you, and the thing goes... Have you ever seen anything like that? And you'd say, wow, a person who goes through there would get to know God. You know they didn't get to know God in that? You know why they didn't get to know God in that? Because they didn't give thanks for it. Because they got to the other side. This is after they walked through water. I mean, they, they didn't walk through water. They walked between water that was being held there by who knows what. I mean, it, it says a wind, but it, it couldn't have been... Anyway, the wind had to be something interesting because if there was wind hard enough to hold up the water and it was down here, you'd blow away. All right? So that we don't know how exactly that water was suspended, but it was suspended by some kind of wind out here when it was calm enough for you to walk right through here. You would think that if that had happened to you, you would never be the same as far as your knowledge of God, but they walked to the other side and did not give thanks a day 
it was a couple days later, they ran out of water and they're all full of complaint. And for the next two years, it's one of the saddest stories of the Old Testament. God did thing after thing. Manna fell every day to feed them. Water came out of a rock to give them to, to supply their water. God did all kinds of miraculous things on their behalf, and they got to the place of when it was time to go into the land that he had prepared for them. He says, we can't do it. We can't do it. That's what people said. Why, why were they in that condition? They had not gotten to know their God. Why? Because every time God supplied for them, or whenever he supplied for them, they failed to give thanks. They just failed. Now, again, you want to walk with God? Learn to give thanks. Give thanks. Can't do it too much. But oh, you're giving thanks. You're giving thanks to God for what he's doing, whether you're seeing it or not seeing it because his promise is true. So that's one side of it, right? And I want to go to the other side of this thing, because what's the other one? He says, rejoice in the Lord, or rejoice, it says here, rejoice always. Paul typically connects that with rejoice in the Lord, and that's how you rejoice. Just as you're giving thanks because of what you know the Lord to be to you, you have a chance to rejoice because of what the Lord can be in supplying your need, not just working on your behalf to make it work together for good. Rejoicing in the Lord is one of those kind of Thoughts that is misconceived because people separate it from in the Lord part. Then it's sort of back to that don't worry, be happy approach to life. But that's not really very um, intelligent because if all you do is say, yeah, I'm out of money, but don't worry, be happy. Well, that's going to that's going to backfire you on you. All right. It, it, um, I'm sick and, you know, but I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to be happy. Well, you could die of that. You know, you, you need to. There are things to be faced in life. But Paul says you're always to be filled with joy. Why are we filled with joy as Christians? We are filled with joy because we have a total salvation in Jesus Christ. Now, what total salvation means is this, that everything you need for the rest of your life has been supplied to you. One of my favorite verses to expound to people. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. You have everything you will ever need for the rest of eternity because you have been identified with Jesus Christ. That's why it's a good thing to put your life in his hands. Now, when we're talking about rejoicing, Paul in the book of um, Philippians kind of puts it this way. All right. He puts it this direction. He's at the end there and he's he's in prison at the time. A Roman prison is no place to be. All right. Let me just say it's no place to be They They did not have any rules about how you had to treat prisoners. And he is in that prison. He's been there a long time. He has been mistreated. He's been ignored. He's been, it's just, it's a tough situation. And he gets a gift because, how about this? In prison, other people from outside had to take care of you. If they don't take care of you, you die in prison because the state doesn't take care of you. Uh, their, their part was just really bread and water sort of a thing. But if you wanted any more, somebody had to supply it from outside. The Philippians had sent money. It was going to be helpful to them. And he was giving thanks for that. He was thanking the church for how they had supplied this money. And then he says this, but it's not that I'm 
I'm doing this from want. I, I mean, it's not because I just wanted, I, I needed to have this, but because I want you to know something. He says this, I have learned, I have learned over the years how to have lots of things and how to have nothing and still be, be even. All right? I've learned it. And he says, this is what I have learned. This is rejoicing in the Lord. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, when he said that, he doesn't mean he can do all things. Paul couldn't fly. All right? He couldn't fly. I mean, people take this and they go, oh, I can do all things. Not really in that sense. Here's the thought that I have learned. That no matter what situation I find myself in, there is a supply of God through Jesus Christ which will enable me to do it. If He asks me to live in this prison, I can do that because Jesus Christ will strengthen me. The day that I stand in front of Caesar, and He did stand in front of Caesar. That's something. Paul the Apostle standing in front of Caesar. And you know what happened on that day? All of his friends deserted him. Nobody came to be there with him. Nobody was willing to say, I'm Paul's friend. That's a tough moment. You know, this is his good buddy. All the people he has ministered to. The Roman church was supposed to be the outstanding church of the ancient world sort of thing. And none of them came. You know what he said? It's in in the book of 2 Timothy. He says, they all deserted him. May the Lord not hold it against them. Nevertheless, he says, the Lord, that's Jesus Christ, stood with me. I got up there and I was conscious that at the point when I had to look the emperor right in the face, all the power of Rome is is against him, he was strengthened because the Lord was there. It was me and the Lord and they had their, their side over there. Got that? Now, Rejoicing in the Lord is rejoicing in the fact that no matter what situation I'm in, there is a sufficiency in Him. If my need is cleansing, I have cleansing in Jesus Christ. If I need strengthening for life, I've been identified with Him. I share the life of Jesus Christ. Right? So that instead of being disturbed by the circumstances I might find myself in, I am confident that he has a capacity or he has made provision for me for that circumstance. He will be with me in it. And therefore what? I can be filled with joy no matter what happens. You see, in these verses, this is the will of God for Paul, but this is also the will of God for us. This is how he wants you to live. This is how he wants me to live. Counting on the fact that he's he's going to make it all work together for good. That's the thanksgiving part. And just giving thanks. Counting on the fact that no matter where I find myself, no matter what circumstance I find myself in, he not only is going to work it together for good, but he is going to give me the capacity to face it, to do it, to accomplish his purpose. And I rejoice in that. Now you got joy in thanksgiving. This is pretty good. All right. But then he puts one in the middle. Puts one in the middle. He says this. Here's the third part. What's that? 
This is what we're talking about, prayer, right? Pray without stopping. Pray without ceasing. Now, what's he talking about there? Well, there's different ways which would fit the context, the, the Greek context there. He could be talking about keep having your quiet time every day, all right? Just don't give up on prayer. Keep keep using prayer. That that, And that would be a legitimate thought, but I think with respect to the way the others go, the in everything give thanks, rejoice in, rejoice always, the prayer has to be something that has to do with my walk. It has to do with those everyday circumstances that I'm in. And in those circumstances, he says this, what am I to do? I am to pray. I am to pray. Now, that's where I really believe you get to know God in the fullest sense. I just personally believe that I've learned more about God. I've come to know him better in the times of interaction with him in real circumstances than I would say even in my quiet time. In my quiet time, I study the word of God and I worship. All right. And I, I'm, I'm reminding myself of great truths. All right. And that's good, and that's that's important, because if you don't do that in your quiet time, if you don't put the Word of God in, when you get out there, you're not going to know what the Word of God is. And when you get out there and you don't know what the Word of God is, then you'll panic. All right? And, and part of my job down through the years has been to remind people who are panicking that the Word of God says this. Oh, oh yeah. Now, it's because they hadn't thought about what <laughs> this is what it says. All right? <gasps> yes. You have to have confidence there. All right. But the fact is that after that takes place, where do I really get to know God? I get to know God when I am placed in those circumstances. In life. And I do give thanks and I do rejoice, but I also ask him to move and he moves. I'm saying this for for our sake here because we kind of think about prayer being a way over here, all right? And that's one of the reasons I think we have trouble with, I've been talking to students about this, that when we have prayer requests, people don't know, well, what should I pray about? I don't know. What, you know, take prayer requests in church. It all goes down to people that are sick, which is good. I mean, there's nothing wrong with praying for people that are sick or people that are in tough circumstances. But you say, what can we pray for in your life? And, and people don't know what they oh, I don't know. I don't know. But you see, you've been walking all day. I mean, you've been living all day. How should I face that? And, and what the capacity? What's, what's, what's going on here? Well, the thought that Paul has here, I believe, is this, that as I move through those circumstances... And I'm conscious of walking with God. He starts to tell me about what's going on. And I start to learn about what's going on. And then I begin to bring to him the things that are going on around me. It could be personal. It could be for somebody else. And it's in those particular circumstances, not where you're praying about something way out there, but when you are bringing the circumstance you have to him on the spot, that you begin to find out what kind of a God he is. Now, most of those are dramatic. Most of the times you find out something, because that's the ones you really remember, but a lot of them are real simple. They're real plain. There are the times when 
Well, you're going to have to work into this circumstance. You're going to have to do something right here. There's a man that I pray for just about every day. I try to pray for him every day, Raleigh Reasoner. And, and, and I wish that he was young enough to keep coming back, but he's not going to be coming back. He's finishing his race. He's in the final moments of his race. But he taught me so much about prayer. And he had this, he was talking about the practicalities of being in charge of a, of a group in a mission. I mean, he was the head of, of the mission in Japan where he was, he was the, I don't know what the exact title was, but he was, man, was over top of all the, the missionaries just to administrate. He wasn't in charge of the mission, but it was field leader, field leader. That's what he was. He was a field leader. Okay. He talked about all the different things that could come up in his day. Now, is every single day, he just, you know, don't want to answer the phone. That was in a day when the phone was on. You could you could pretend you didn't have it. You, you can't pretend you don't have a phone anymore. You have to have it 24 hours a day, every day, right? That's what I've learned now that I have one of those things. Why did you call me back? I was in class. Why did you? You know, it's, you know, when people want you, they want you right now. Well, in those days, you had to call, call down to the office, and you had to catch him at the time when he would actually be in the office. It was a landline. It's an old thing. You can we can look it up. It's about a landline, and it was you know it's a. But anyway, he would get to this this phone. He said, you know, he almost not want to you know <laughs> pick it up. Why? Because when you've got forty missionaries under you, there's a whole lot of problems can happen. And when you get the call, it's not because they want to tell you how great things are going. They want to tell you what's what's happening here. And you pick it up. And what do you have? What do you think you might have? Missionary squabbles. Right? Missionary squabbles. I mean, you've probably had family squabble once, right? You remember that? That time when something was banging and... But you didn't call somebody else. But when it's missionary squabble, you have that. Um, finances weren't coming out right. You know, my money didn't come. Oh, money didn't come. Okay. <laughs> um, the pastor just quit. Okay, okay. <laughs> the pastor just quit. See, what he found out was that as those phone calls come in these different things, what's he going to do? Well, you're not going to have time to put it on your prayer list and move here because you had to make decisions right now. And he had all kinds of stories about how the Lord would meet him in those circumstances. And he was a man who, he was, I admired him a great deal. He was a man who did know his God. And he didn't know him theoretically. He knew how to, to go before him and trust him for things. Because he had not only done it in, he did, he had the most systematic prayer life I have ever seen. Man had it down. I mean, he had how he was going to pray for people, but he had also learned to interact with God on the in the immediate circumstances. When something came to that man, now Mr. Kerr, who found this place, was the same way. When something came to him, he was on. He was with the Lord right now, right. He was ready to go and to interact with God, and that's where you're going to really get to know God. So I'm, I'm, I'm saying this to encourage you to, to develop this habit. Now, what are we talking about? We're talking about what happens to you in the course of a day. Now, I'm going to jump a little bit ahead for you because, I'm, do you know, if you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, he is engineering every day of your life. But why is he engineering our days? 
I just want to say engineering. He is ordering out what's going to happen to me. I will bump into the right people today in his plan. That's just the way it's going to go. I, I have to trust him for that. You are here today because he ordained you to be here today as far as my life goes. I am speaking to you because you are the people he wanted to speak to. And the living Christ in me has chosen you to be there and you to listen. And that if all things go well, he puts into my heart what he wants to say to you. I have to believe that. That the circumstances of my life are not out of control. They're under his control. And why are those circumstances being brought to pass? Well, they're always being brought to pass so that I can, as the representative of Christ, meet the need of someone else. You remember that in the thing? Submit to your leaders so that they can do their job, right? Help the weak. Strengthen the, the faint-hearted. See, it's all about what I have to be to other people. And how about this? When you're meeting opposition, be patient. Be patient, right? Why? Because the living Christ wants to meet people's need right around you. And if I'm not under control, what they will meet is not the living Christ. They will meet my frustrated my frustrated person. All right? <laughs> I heard a story one time. This is, I mean, a pastor admitted it, and he said it was a life-changing experience. He was on his way to a counseling session. And um, there was a traffic, um, let's say, mishap. It, it wasn't, it didn't, there was no banging. There was just a lot of closeness. He got really irritated. I mean, he was really irritated with his guy that cut him off in traffic, and he let him know. He got to his church, pulled in, and that car looked awful familiar, only to find out that the person with whom he had, whatever you want to call that, in traffic, was the man who had come to receive instructions on the grace of God in Jesus Christ. Hmm. 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 This is problematic, isn't it? See, Paul is concerned. Paul is concerned because people all around us, it's an ugly world out there, but people all around us and people that you're going to come in contact with need to know the living Christ. And in order for them to know him, I have to be under control. I have to be ready. I have to be giving thanks in everything because there's a lot of bumps and bruises. All right. I have to be rejoicing in the Lord because he's my sufficiency. But then what I'm going to have to do in between there, it is our responsibility to bring to God the events of life and ask him to bless. Ask him to move. Now, who, who would that be with you? I mean, who is going to be with us? All right. Well, think about it again. I don't have time to ask questions. Ah, I wish. Anyway, here we go. First of all, there's your family. Right? This is your practical life, right? And most of you, have, you're young enough. You're still living in a family. You can't. You're not an isolated place. You don't not living all by yourself. All right. You got a family. So all he's saying is, when I am going through life, I should be giving thanks that God is taking care of things. I should be giving 
rejoicing in the fact that I'm sufficient to be what I should be in this family, and then I should be bringing that family to God in prayer as I see particular needs. Not in just a general way, but as I got my head up, we were talking about that this morning, you get your head up and you look around you and there are people in need all around you. And this is part of our prayer life. That we then are simply just asking God to move in this circumstance. To deal with this particular person. To, to give them grace. To give me grace so that I can give them grace. Right? Then what else is there out there? Well, some of you, again, you might be in school, or in, you're in school. You got people you meet there. You got people you may have a job. You got people you meet there. You got people in your church. Those are people you meet. You have a lot of influence on people. Even if you think your world's really tiny, it's amazing how many people you have that you are bumping into day after day after day after day. Think what it means if I say that Jesus Christ is alive in me. He is my life. And he is what? Seeking to save that which is lost. He is seeking to build a church. Can I be outside of that circumstance? Can I be somehow separated from that? Can I live a life as a monk while he is seeking to save that which is lost? How is that going to be accomplished? It's going to be accomplished by regular people like us, like you and like me, who take hold of our opportunity to pray in the real circumstances of our lives. To pray without ceasing, to pray for your parents, to pray for your brothers and sisters, to pray for the people that are are with you at school as you see need. Your life is taken care of. He has already made a way. So what? You can give thanks, right? Because it's all going to work together for good. You can you can lay hold and rejoice in the fact that. If you have to talk to somebody, God will give you the words. The Lord will give it to you because what? You, you are sufficient. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's all provided for me. But that launches me into a place where I can lift up my eyes and begin to pray. Pray for you. And pray for what's happening in your immediate circumstance. Now, again, this is... I'm greatly burdened about this. This is the most important event of my entire life. Why? Because right now is my entire life. Yesterday's already passed. I'm not living back there. All right? Tomorrow hasn't happened. Right? Where is the living God acting? Where in my scheme of time is he act, acting and, and bringing things to pass? Right now? Right here? Right in this auditorium? With you? So that I should be giving thanks that uh, everything for me is taken care of. I should be rejoicing that he is going to give me the capacity to speak. But then I can get my eyes up and it's you that I have to pray for because this is where I am. And that's kind of the thought of the, the pray without ceasing. Pray as you walk. You walk with God. He's right there. Now, again, you're going to pray about things in the future. I know that as it comes up. But 
we get so caught up with the future and the past that we don't live. We don't live in the present. Mr. Brazier was talking about this morning, and I think cell phones have brought it to light. I think it was there already, but they brought it to light. What's that? world is going by you. Where are you? You're somewhere else. <laughs> You're somewhere else. I, said, uh, I wish I had that picture. I probably mentioned that last year. It was in Duluth, Minnesota, and they had a park, and it was, there must have been 100 people in it. It was a, a cell phone park because they had a place you could, you could plug in, you know, your computer and stuff at that one side. It was, it was in the twilight. It was the, I wish I had a picture of it. There were hundreds of people standing. Nobody was talking. They were just standing there. It was a still life. They're people, human beings, but they were still life, and every face was glowing, glowing with the <laughs> with their phone. Nobody was talking to anybody else. There were groups of kids sitting there, and th- this was funny. I mean, this is funny to me, and to talk to each other. Then <laughs> they both laugh. <laughs> they're right there. You can talk to them. But they didn't. But I'm afraid for these things because, again, not that the phone is not the problem. It's a reflection of the problem. It just points it out. They were not alive in our present mo- moment. You want to walk with God? He is the, he's the great I am. He's the God of the immediate present. You walk with him in the immediate present, and tomorrow you get to know him better and better and better and better and better. Don't worry about, oh, when I know him better. Why don't you get to know him right now? Because he's right here, right now, inviting each of us to do what we heard this morning, to enter in. Have you done that? Have you come to a place where you realize your, your future's taken care of? You can give thanks because it's all working together for good. You're never going to be caught in a place where you aren't going to be enough if you... Take hold of your salvation because you can do all things. You can face it all in Jesus Christ. And therefore, you are freed in the immediate present to bring the power of God, the God that you're walking with, to bear in the lives of the people who are right around you. It's a wonderful thing. This is the will of, and that's the will of God for you. This is the will of God. What you do with your future, I don't know. But rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. That's the, this is the will of God for us in Christ Jesus. Okay, let's pray. Father, we come and ask you to move in us to that end. Oh, Father, we thank you we can know you. I thank you that every person in this room can know you, and I thank you that you're drawing us towards yourself. Enable us to respond for your praise and glory, and we look to you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.